You are now listening to Carly's Couch. I'm Carly. And I'm Lex. In this podcast, we discuss a wide array of topics about life and how to live your best life. Whatever that looks like for you. (laughs) Hope y'all enjoy. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Welcome to Carly's Couch. We are on the couch and we have a guest who's not on the couch, but he's virtual. So he's technically on the couch. Yeah, he's on on the virtual (laughs) couch. Why am I always singing? Yo, <laughs> what is my problem? <laughs> I can't say nothing regular. <laughs> Every time we have a guest, too, I always be embarrassing myself. Because <laughs> then they be laughing. People are like, who is that? We're going to tell you who that is, though. Um, today, we it's, it's Valentine's week, or it was Valentine's Day yesterday um, from you hearing this. So hopefully you'll keep the love going for the rest of the week, at least. All um, year. Yeah, if not, give it at least another day. So today we're we're going to kind of be talking about lessons of love, but in education um, and with the focus on that education space with the youth, with our teachers, um, lessons that parents could also take as well, lessons that we could probably take to do better with each other. Um, and so to do that today, we have Marcus Harden as our guest on the podcast, Marcus uh, we're going to introduce you, but first of all, just thank you for being here. Yay. Why don't you say hello to the people? Thank you all for having me. <laughs> yes, thank you all for having me. I'm excited. And the couch is comfy, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> well, we put in a lot of effort, you know what I mean? A lot of, lot of dollars. Here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, something that we've been working to do on, on the vouch is to bring in experts. And, you know, the average person, like, we know a little bit about love, but for... This episode, and especially in the facet of education, thought it was important to bring an expert. And so Marcus Harden is a proud uncle, mentor, and proud resident of Atlanta, Georgia. He is self-professed mayor of the south end of Seattle, (laughs) his hometown, resident Batman. I love Frazier. And proud alumni of Rainier, Rainier? Rainier Beach High School. Rainier Beach High School, and the University of Washington. Marcus is in his 16th season as an educator and has experience as a teacher, counselor, dean, administrator, program and policy manager. I can't read today. Sorry about that. And is currently the co-founder and lead learner of the Academy for Creating Excellence Atlanta, an all-African-American male-focused charter school opening in 2021. Marcus believes deeply in focusing his work on creating better culture and climate for students, families, and staff, restorative justice practices, and mindset and resiliency that leads to excellent and equitable educational outcomes for all students. I'm glad you read that because now he can Good. educate. Yeah. educate you on how to read. <laughs> I was about to say, because, uh, yo. Oh, man, I was like, man, who wrote that? See, first of all, I was always that kid that raised my hand to read in class, but like, if if that's any indication, that's exactly why he's on here to talk about love. Because y'all know I'm like real lovey, but I don't have that background and I don't have those policy and all those positions in it. So, Marcus, we're just really honored to have you today. And shout out to your 16th season as an educator. Like that in and of itself deserves applause. No, thank you all. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, super dope to be here and just, just excited to, to spread the word on love. Like you said, it's uh, it's. It, Bigger than sentimentality, right? Like it's about how we can love all year and how we can show up for each other and young people. And so um, just, just be able to be here. Will you tell us a little bit about your journey as an educator and how you got to a place where love was a major focus? Because, you know, I think it's just now recently where we even hear about mindfulness in schools and, you know, just even some of those types of um, themes. But to, to connect love 
to education and, you know, this outwardly, how did you get to that point? Uh, I'll try to give you the Jet Magazine version, although I appreciated the bio. So we're here in your own bio. But um, so the Jet Magazine version, like I said, I was born and raised in Seattle. Uh, I'm an only child. My parents kissed once, and that was it. Um, and so raised in that way. And uh, like I said, went to Rainier Beach High School, which is Seattle's primarily black high school. So um, Seattle's 4% black. And so I would say 3% of Seattle went to Beach. Um, and, and left there and actually had a um, – football and drama scholarship. So I was a little unconventional. Um, I was a thespian and a football player uh, going into college. And um, my major was in political science. And so um, I really, I wanted to be the first black president. Uh, somebody else beat me to it. Yeah, that was you. my angle. And so, um, yeah, somebody got me. But um, so, you know, and I, I wouldn't have been old enough for a while. Anyway, but <laughs> be that as a man. Um, and so pursued that. Um, and through pursuing that, I went to the University of Washington eventually. I didn't start at UW, but ended up there. Um, and one of my last classes, I had to do a, um, a capstone at a local school. Now, my mom had a home daycare, so I actually hated kids. I hate to say that on, uh, on live record, but I did not like kids because I'm the only child. I was like, man, it's just right. taking up my time. Um, but I had to volunteer at a K-8 school. Right. I had to volunteer at a K-8, and I fell in love and found myself like volunteering there in the afternoon. But my path was set. Um, I actually... My first job out of college is I interned in the Senate uh, for Hillary Clinton in her office. Um, and so I was on my way to D.C. while doing this internship. So I was like, ah, no, I'm about to be black president. You know, love the kids, but I'll come back. Um, so I went to D.C. and did that. I loved my experience there. Super grateful and blessed to have had it. But uh, realized the work I was doing in politics, I just wasn't in love with it. I thought that was going to be the path. Um, and I had no passion for it. But um, I believe the universe wills you. To where you're supposed to be. Um, one of my assignments was around charter school law in New York at the time, and I just spent hours in the congressional library, like doing research on education. And I was like, "Man, this is like more powerful than wanting to go to some black tie gala or something." And so, um, you know, I was in DC about ten months, um, and, and you know, I was about to be at the point where I don't know if OnlyFans is around there, but I was about to start doing some extra things to make some money. Um, and I was just like, "Man, I'm not, I'm not happy here." Um, and so I went back home to Seattle and visited the students I had been kind of mentoring. Uh, and, and the principal there was like, literally as I'm walking in, this lady's walking out, um, who actually was my old teacher. Um, and I walked past her and the principal said, you know, all the kids are still talking about you. Like the council just quit. Um, are you looking for a job? And I was like, well, you know, I'm kind of doing this DC thing. And they literally interviewed me on the spot, brought in a kid who had just gotten in trouble. And, uh, man, I interviewed on the spot. That was a Thursday. I moved back to D.C. that Friday. I moved back to Seattle that Monday. And my journey, like, unconventionally started, and I became the school counselor. And uh, that was in 2004, 2005. Um, and I said that that school was a K-8. And, uh, man, it just it taught me so much. So uh, that journey led me to my, my whole professional time now. And in that time, uh, you know, I, I took the work home. I ended up um, foster adopting six of my students or four of my former students uh, and two, two of my second cousins and, uh, just, just fell in love with the work and just saw the need specifically, um, with young black men and young black women and young people of color, um, and just the educational gaps that we saw. So it just took me to this place of, of seeing that what was lacking, uh, was, a, was, a and, and no, no say to our earlier comments about reading, but was a lack of love, <laughs> um, for, for literacy in a different way and education holistically. So not just in the school way, but like, what is everything that young people bring to the table? And then of course, people being afraid to hear love, like, 
folks with cussing staff meetings, if you say love, they start like curling up. Um, I'd be like, man, I love you. I love you, kid. And they'd be like, ah, I'm like, no, 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 no other business. So um, that's how it started. And, and it's been an incredible journey since then. So was love and literacy, was that something that came out of any type of like experiments? Are you doing something um, or did you, is it just from your observations of, you know what, when I treat these kids a certain way, I get a better outcome. Like what was it that you were putting in and the outcomes that you were seeing that made you dive so deeply into that, to that area? I would say there would be two things that be married, and I can't take full credit for the first half of it. So there's some brilliant people out of New York, um, uh, Cornelius Minor and Cassandra Minor, who do excellent literacy work and then tap into kind of those same type of mindsets. And so I began to do a lot of work with them. Um, at the time, they were at Columbia College. And then uh, on my end, was just seeing that um, I don't ever like to uh, poverty, you know, like that notion of kids are coming from, from broken families or all this stuff. Like, that's not true. People love at the level that they're able to. And I've seen parents who maybe I would have done it differently, right, from my mind. But to be real with you, I tell everybody, like, becoming a parent overnight of student, or of children that I didn't go on dates for taught me how to love in a whole different way, right? So it became those things of just seeing, um, one, what students needed and how to marry those together, and two, how to get them to have a love of both, right? So how can they have a different level of learning? If you understand education, um, nothing happens without literacy, right? If you're not literate, nothing else moves for the most part. There's, there's random exceptions, but you can't move at a high level. Um, and then true love, like knowledge itself. So when we think about that, like I always tell my kids, um, it's, it's a quote that I say all the time, it's like relationship is the driver of change and love is always the vessel, right? So to get to change, you have to be in love. You have to first be in love with yourself, um, learn how to love others, and then, you know, not getting too deep because we don't usually bring, like, religion or those things in the school, but, like, a love of something greater than you. Um, and so many times we don't have those conversations with kids because we think they're not ready for it. But, man, they know, mm-hmm. right? They definitely mm-hmm. know. If you want to know honesty, talk to a kindergarten, right? <laughs> Who will be like, hey, you know, Mr. Marcus, which is my school name. They'd be like, hey, you know, you look like a four-dollar period. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what? You know, like, what? <laughs> Roasted you. <laughs> It was good. And it would be so genuine. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, I've been... You thought you was going to say thank you. (laughs) I I mean, I have no choice, right? Like, you know, sadly, you know, black males are only 2% of the teaching population, right? So I've been every black TV character that's above 6'5", like, in history. I've been Tyler Perry. I've been the blind side. Uh, Latest one was in Baku. I think that one a little better than the other two. But yeah, you know, that's it. But... Um, yeah, so I just think blending those and then um, rethinking even literacy, right? So this generation um, being so literate on the internet, right? Like being mm-hmm. so literate other ways. And so it's shifting not only their paradigm, but shifting educators and parents' paradigms who come in and say, well, my kid's not reading. I'm like, no, they're actually consuming a lot of, uh, of, of literacy a day. What are we going to do with that and how are we going to channel that to, to make them feel successful? Can I ask uh, about a little clarity with the word literacy? From what I think it means is being able to read. Is is literacy more about how you like comprehend or is it just literally reading that you're talking about when you say literacy? I'm I'm talking about comprehension. So thank you mm-hmm. for that for that clarity. So like literate so literacy in everything, right? Can you be can you be lovely literate, right? Can you be can you be literate in the ways you are um, you are interpreting and then expressing yourself in the world, right? And so 
Um, we, when we work with our young men, the first thing we do um, in our program in both Atlanta and in Seattle um, is we do the five love languages test, right, as a baseline. Um, and then we do a literacy test, right? But then we talk to them about, like, what did you just read in the assessment that you just took, right? Like, and what did you comprehend from that? Um, because, and I don't want to geek out too much in the, in the teacher world, right? But there's, you know, there's, there's word decoding, there's speed of, of reading, but there's also maybe one of the most important is comprehension, right? So I'm a fast reader and I'll read just to finish, but then I realize I have to go back. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, can I really like, understand what happened? Like, I'm done. Sometimes, like, did I'll I be at the bottom that? of the page and be like, <laughs> I wasn't even really reading the words. My eyes just moved. Like, I was thinking about something else. Exactly. And I have to go back and reread. Yeah. Um, to backtrack a little bit, so you mentioned like what you start with, but when you're looking at concepts like love and like literacy, which is a focus, um, literacy is in a lot of education, right? Focusing on that and getting kids up mm-hmm. to par with reading level, all of that. Like, how did you figure out where to start and how to start implementing this love and literacy into what you're doing? I would say uh, the figuring out is a lot of trial and error. I'll be very honest. Um, I will say that a lot of it came through the work at the first school I was at, the Madonna Arcade in Seattle, um, which, which at the time was a, was a you know, high poverty school, all that good stuff, low income, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so, but what we saw was is that once we started making shifts to them becoming, um, so first it became about identity. So we changed the whole culture of the school and made it about like, I am a reader, I am a writer. We really shifted to a lot of stuff about young people writing. But the cool thing is they were writing their stories, the personal narrative. So they were writing their stories and learn how to edit and re-edit just their stories. So if you're at kindergarten, it's taking like, what did you do this morning, right? And literally walking in through the editing process and getting them used to that. And then doing this huge job of like making it a big deal when they publish. So we literally would put 30 kindergartners writing up, which could be pictures and maybe just two sight words that they understand. But then they become authors for the day, right? So then we go and we have these readings and they, and it's how they feel, right? So then they build this love for this thing. But at the same time, we're teaching them like how to receive this love as not just a person, but as a scholar, right? Um, and then concurrently, um, which my work is more definitely in the social emotional kind of field, is like, okay, now how does that feel, right? Now, what's the transference? So now, how, where else do you feel like this? How else can we make yourself feel like this? And that's love, right? Um, and, and you might not love the writing, but wow, did you fall in love with the response? So like now, let's let's talk about that because it's always usually any young people will always tell you. Um, it's pretty simple at the end of the day, and most of the time adults are too. Like a lot of my work now is with adults, and I do the same stuff, right? We start off with, let's talk about your love language, because a lot of times that's just the unhealed part of us. I'm very honest, um, you know, and this is all due respect, because you'll probably hear this, but like I was searching for love from my father for a long time, right? Like in the ways that I didn't understand that he was giving, because our love language was off, right? I didn't understand this until I got older. Um, and so I would be honest with you, like my purpose and passion specifically for young men, was a lot just doing my own healing, right? And so we have those conversations with adults because oftentimes you have an adult who will become a teacher at 22. You still living in mom's basement. I was, right? Like, you know, when I came back from D.C., I was like, mom, don't drink the orange juice. You know, like I wasn't, I wasn't fully actualized myself as a grown man. So um, I think those two especially, so I would say that part. Um, and then it's just been a lot of trial and error. Um, the second half of my career, I spent in alternative education, so working with young men in juvenile, young ladies um, uh, escaping sex trafficking, um, and then young people come out of drug addiction. And that showed me uh, the power, I mean, as cliche as it is, the power of what self-love is, right? And how you sometimes you have to be a mirror for people to come back for that. So that's where a lot of the 
restorative work, healing work came in at, um, and, and some of my most transformative life experiences uh, definitely came out of those three places. I feel like we hear the most about love languages and the sense of relationships, romantic relationships. Um, but can you go through what some of the languages are and tell us what the comparable kind of a action or expression of that would be as an educator or in, in this kind of realm? Well, this is not, I, you know, and I, I, my, my students hear quotes all the time. Like Maya says it best in the sense of like, again, it's not about much. It's not about sentimentality. You know, love is, is an essence. But to, to, to that point, we use the five love languages, but there's a lot of different ones. There's one for children, there's one for teens, mm. there's one for singles, right? So it's not about like a different version? necessarily... Yeah, mm. yes, ma'am. So it's not about necessarily intimacy that. in the romantic way, um, in the, in the uh, what do they call it, in the Eros way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, the five love languages are active service, words of affirmation, physical touch, gifts, um, and I can't believe I just blanked on this. Uh, and quality time. Thank mm-hmm. you, quality time. And so, um, if you're looking at those five, so literally, uh, two weeks ago, um, I got to do some work with 30 young men from Chicago, Arkansas, the Bronx, and we took the test together virtually. Um, it's probably my favorite day of the year so far. Second only to being with y'all right now. But, um, and so sitting on a call for two hours with young men going through their love language, and the first thing one young man was, was he was like, man, I, I don't know what love is. Like, I wanted to sing the old 80s song and the Mariah remake mm-hmm. to be like, you know, I want to know what love is. You know, like, I want to help them out. But we went through it, and um, it was fascinating to see them, you know, be like, okay. And I was like, man, this is just one of that, right? Like, you know, all it's just like uh, horoscopes. You kind of got to know yourself at some point. But this might be a tool. And so we went through, and I was just like, man, you know, is it possible that you've been receiving love and just not knowing it because it hasn't been spoken to you in the way that you've known it. And then I asked them to do two activities. One was to think about how that shows up for them at home and their relationship with their parents or their siblings. And then two, asking them how it shows up for them at school, right? And who they feel loved by and if those things map and if people are speaking their language, right? So for mm-hmm. me, I don't, I don't believe I'm about to give this away on a podcast, but uh, minor words of affirmation and active service, right? Um, so for me, those two show up in, in, a, in a different way. Um, and, and so... If I encounter a student who's a physical touch, or I think about one of my um, nephews, he's a physical touch. So it might be just as simple as, like, putting my, my hand on his shoulder, right, in a school context, right? Um, quality time is if you have a student or if you have a son or a nephew or a daughter or whatever, sometimes it's just like having that person be the one who runs errands with you, right? Like mm-hmm. that that real quality <laughs> time. Um, gift, you know, gift is self-evident in some respect, right? So... Um, and words of affirmation, like for me, words of affirmation is huge. I, I'm not very sentimental. You guys can halfway see behind me. I'm a minimalist. <laughs> I don't got much up on the walls, but like I keep every letter. I keep like every text. Like that fills me up, even though I cringe while I'm receiving it. Um, mm-hmm. But as my language that I give, I'll hype you up all day. I'm the ultimate hype man. Like I will, and I'll mean it. And it's very authentic. Um, and students know that. But I've also learned that to the student who that's not their language, I can be offensive. Right. And not know it. So those are conversations we have. So after I got done with them, I then work with their teachers for two hours and we unpack that a little with, you know, protecting their their confidentiality and what they share with me. And like, this is what your students said. How are you showing up now? How can that set the environment for everything else? Because I fully believe um, teacher talk is like culture will eat curriculum for breakfast. If you don't have a culture of love, 
no matter what you're trying to execute and teach, it will not matter. So um, that was the conversation we got. You know, my first thoughts with that is that that sounds like a lot of work for an educator who has a lot of kids. But you know that you have a lot of kids and you everybody's story really is different. And to really be intentional about understanding that Jimmy appreciates this, but Lindsay over here responds to this, mm-hmm. you know, how to is it received well or is it received like, whew, I don't know if I could do all this or how do you manage to do all of that? And everybody, like you said, you you um, mentioned as well that not everybody is like that super lovey or it's easy for them like it may have become for you as you've practiced your skills and gotten to that space. But, you know, how is that manageable? Or is that our goal, that it should be manageable think, with everybody, huh? Yeah, yeah. I think it's how I've ended up in this space. Uh, a younger version of me would just show up and be like, I'm just here for the kids, right? So I would do all this work with the kids. But then um, I realized now, like there's a level of, Guilt, I guess I realize now, like I was preparing them, but not preparing the environment, right? You know, mm-hmm. the cliche is you can't heal in the same environment you got sick in. But I like being with the kids. I still do, right? I don't care if this kids play. I love my time with the kids more than I do with adults. No say to adults, but, um, you know, it's, it's funner. Um, but what I realized I had to mature in my way of like, it wasn't enough for me to play the superhero, right? Because one, I'm not it for every young person. I can't love every young person, uh, no matter how hard I try. Not like that. I can love them, but not in the way they need to be. And then um, it, it realizing that we had to go to the teachers, and a lot of it is, um, jokingly, it, it, it's doing that work and unpacking with adults first, right? So it's digging through their stuff um, and then getting them to that place because teaching is a persona, right? Like, you really, it, it's method acting that is finest. Like, you become this character because when I started working in schools, I saw teachers who had it all together, and in their personal life, I'd be like, what is going on here? Like, those don't match. <laughs> there was a disconnect, right? Which is not fair for me to have the notion that they should have it together. But if you think about it, you have a person who just comes out of college, and all of a sudden, literally, if your elementary has control of 30 lives for over a year, if your high school and middle school, you have maybe 180 to 200 people that you literally, with the stroke of a pen, can affect the outcome in the short and long term of their future, right? One of the first activities I do with teachers is tell me about your favorite teacher to a person nobody's ever been able not to. And then I say, tell me about your least favorite. Again, to a person, everybody remembers, I don't care if you're 90, I don't care if you're 29, right? Like, those, those people hold, and they never talk about curriculum. They always talk about how the person made you feel. And that's how I started off. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a feeling of love and experience you had with a person. Can you recreate that with your kids and with your baby? So it's work. Um... And it's work that is, uh, it's fun. I, I've, I've learned to enjoy it. Like I said, I think for me, um, I get filled by being with the young people. So that's what keeps me energized. And then it allows me to do the head work um, and the hard work with, with adults. Um, and it's not just teachers, it's parents too. Um, in Seattle, um, so ACE, our program, is both in Atlanta launching, um, but has been running in Seattle for a while. Um, and we do a lot of work with parents as well, having these conversations. Um, our work specifically is for young men. So we have conversations with parents about, you know, their sons or their nephews or their grandsons um, becoming interdependent, specifically in that realm of adolescence, because it feels like they don't love them or need them no more. And it's like, nah, they're just, they're just growing up, right? And, and for a lot of us, we like to forget 12 through 14. Um, and we romanticize like 17, 18, you know, but yeah. like those are those awkward years. Like, you know, I was six foot and sounded like Mariah Carey as well. So it's like not a phase that I want to remember. But you, you get through it. 
Yeah, 12 to 14 was, I think middle, because I, I also coach middle school volleyball. I'm not currently, but I did for the past three years. And middle school is awkward for everybody involved. I was like, homeschooled. So I was awkward because I was homeschooled when I went back to high school. <laughs> I didn't see. I was chilling at the crib, look, yeah, that, talking to myself. Yeah, I think, it was wild. I think we're about to see, I think we're about to see a huge homeschool movement after this, mm-hmm. one. And then two, um, it's funny you say that because middle school, whenever I ask the teacher question, is the least answered. People always either answer favorite teacher in elementary. People always answer high school. I can imagine. People like, and this is just my independent study of this. But like, it's fascinating to me that nobody ever talks about middle school. It's just like it never happened. Um, and so it's very interesting. Trauma avoidance. <laughs> One thing I want to go back to, you mentioned um, in working with the parents, I did have a question about like, how is it received whenever you come to these parents and you said, um, you know, specifically for young men, young black men, young brown men, young people of color, um, like, how do the parents are like, wait, you teaching my kids about love? And then also, could you explain a little bit more about interdependence? Because you mentioned that word, but I don't know if that's something that everybody knows what it is. And I think it's really important. So, um, well, with the parents, I think it's usually a conversation and it's typically usually around like that. So you're that early teen time. Um, so these, these connect, I guess. So one is having a conversation about like, this isn't your baby boy anymore. Like he'll always be your baby, but you are raising um, a young man to be interdependent. And so like a lot of my study is in uh, youth adolescent development. And so interdependence usually begins to happen between 12 and 17, but it starts at 12, um, specifically for young men. Um, might last a little longer, 12 to 19, 12 to 20. Um, but interdependence is like when young people are, are starting to figure out that their parents isn't kind of the only answer in the world and they need them for safety, right? They'll always come back to you for safety but they're trying to forge their identity based on everything else that they're inputting. So usually um, for from 12 to 17, males and young females, their most important people in their life are their peers, right? So now they're, they're not dependent on you for affirmation. They're not dependent on you for everything, for friendship. They like, now it's like, well, you know, Lexi said yada, yada, yada. And you're like, but I said, like, never mind. Like, you know, she you just wasn't one of my so, little friends. So. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And I ain't one of your little friends. That's, that's where the phrase comes from. But so it's creating that. And that is just biologically natural, right? Like throughout human development, that happens in different cultures. Sometimes it happens faster, right? Like in the old days, you was married by 12 or 13, right? But that, now that was independent um, in a way. But yeah, so it's creating that. But I think parents, Parents are happy, I think, because um, so, so it's an interesting thing that happens um, when we're talking about love, right? The love shifts, and I don't think it ever changes from parent to child. They're just looking for other places to find love, right? It's what it is. It is. This is where um, this is where games happen. This is where people can get sucked into other activities because they're looking for affirmation that is new, um, that is different, right? Sometimes, so when we have this conversation with parents, and they're like. Um, I'm just super grateful. Just one to know that somebody else loves your kid mm-hmm. is awesome. Like, is that a reflection of you? I think in two, that somebody's having a conversation that they're unpacking. Because oftentimes with parents, kids aren't having that conversation with them and with our school and our program. What we want to be is that, and the Starbucks calls it kind of second place, but we want to kind of be that intermediary. Because a lot of times we can work on the back end with parents and say, well, you know, Deshaun is saying this to me. I think he's trying to say this to you and then vice versa, right? Like, so it's creating those loveful kind of relationships um, that when they get a little older, they figure out, but at that moment, they just want somebody to kind of cling on to. So my, my ego mama was when my boys turned 17, they moved in with me, they were 13, 14, but they're also my students, right? So 
I thought I was the coolest thing on earth to them. Mm. Um, but 16, mm. 17, they started like loving their coaches and coming home and talking about Mr. Tim and Mr. Rowland. I'm like, and it's just, this, this guy wow. ain't cool. Like, <laughs> this guy just, this guy just suck. It's like, even me, right? I do this work. My little ego was hurt. And, but I had to realize, like, okay, we talked to you. He's like, and it was interesting becoming the guy because I wasn't the cool guy no more. I was dad. I was uncle, right? And so now I had to go to them and be like, all right, boy, can you talk to them about being in the room? Because I'm tired of busting or whatever. Um, and it would be this interesting juxtaposition because I was the cool guy to their friend, right? Mm-hmm. So, so like, as they've gotten older now, we had their conversation. They were like, you were the worst to live with because our friends would get mad at us when we got in trouble. Because, you know, they couldn't come over no more. And they'd be like, they get mad at us instead of getting mad at you. Because to them, you was cool. But we hated you. I was like, well, because it shows up, right? right? <laughs> it shows up. <laughs> but it's, it's unpacking all of that with parents to not mm-hmm. take that personal, to know it's part of the development and, and just, you know, steady the storm. But a lot of parents don't even know how their kids look, right? Like I said, like my, had I know my dad was more of a physical touch, and quality time person, we probably could have mended a lot earlier. But, you know, I didn't know. I was 16, 17. But, like, our love languages are all the way off, right? Those are my bottom two. So, yeah. We, I never you know, thought so about that, to be adult, honest. Can, <laughs> I'm trying to think right yeah, now. Like, as, what as, are my parents? But my mom, oh. Right, right. My mom's in the same So, I'm a mom mm. oh, right? Yeah. Like, like <laughs> my mom's a, yeah, my mom's a flip. I'm, I'm active service first, word second. He's words first, act second. We in there, right? Like, like this. There's very few missteps. And so I think it's having those, we have parents in too. It's having those conversations with parents and saying, okay, as a tool, and this is not the only measure, how can you do that? And again, um, I think as a black man, just saying love out loud over and over again is revolutionary. The first thing I say to kids who I just met is if nobody told you they love you today, I have now. So you can't say that didn't happen, right? Like, like I love you and I mean it, and this is what this means. And that's how we move forward. And it's shifting um, to the original question is shifting that for all educators um, to get away from this compliance business and this factory business. And so we have an incredible opportunity for 13 years, for the most part, um, to play a, a large role in young people's lives. And we can fill it with tests and we can fill it with compliance and we can fill it with love um, that helps them fill up their tanks. And when they walk out, they can be as actualized as an 18-year-old can be. Man, that's that's a beautiful thing. Real quick, sorry, I was gonna say, and I love that you were talking about love in action. So it's not just telling them like that's important; they need to hear it, but like showing them that. And I wanted to ask you, with COVID and a lot of virtual learning now, do you feel that anything has changed, or what's become a more of a challenge in in showing love and expressing those things when you're on computer mm. screens, and you know things being a little bit different now. This would be a whole episode to itself. Uh, yes. Um, you know, and I, I'm, a, I'm a sickening optimist, so I've, I've had to come around to this. I think what is exposed for adults, um, what is exposed for adults, and, and like I said, I do a lot of work across the country with, with teachers. Um, what is exposed for adults is I think it's, it's less kids into them past the persona, right? So, like, I've worked my whole career now to blend Marcus Harden, the real man, and Mr. Marcus, the school entity, like into one, like it's just me, like what you see is what you get type of deal. I think for teachers now being vulnerable, because like when you're on Zoom, like, like, hold on, hold on, you know, little Becky's behind me doing whatever. Like you gotta, it's let them into the world. A lot of the reflections that teachers have had is like, wow, I feel more humanized and I see my students in a more humanized way. 
Um, and while my first reaction is to judge and roll my eyes, I'm like, you know what? You got to meet folks where they're at. Like, because it was easy before to be like, oh, that was just a bad kid or that was a kid who showed up. So I think very much so. I think on the young people's side, man, they, for the schools that are coming back, um, I'm so happy for them and I don't envy them because it's going to be, you know, it's, it's been an extended summer break. It's been, it's been 18 mm-hmm. months and I ain't seen my <laughs> homies. Um, it, mm-hmm. It's gonna be it's gonna be something. I'm glad I'm not in the building right now. But um, but yeah, I think it's gonna shift. I I hope I hope it transforms. What I've heard from a lot of teachers is that they are now understand the power of that relationship in a different way. Um, like for us, our first routine is shaking hands of everybody in the room. Um, you know, I won't claim I got that from my Baptist church upbringing. Um, but you know, like meeting and greeting everybody, and, mm-hmm. and we teach young men. You know, just the Western style of that and then why that's important in this culture where we talk about, like, the diaspora and all that stuff. But for our sake of our routine, um, they know how to take everybody's hand in the room and, like, make eye contact and ask, how are you doing, right? And and learn how to, like, make those and really ask the question, right? That's the cool. first kind of love is I see. Um, you know, so, like, so we, we work on that. So I, I think we had a virtual session with a young man who had done our physical program in the past, and he stopped me and was like, Mr. Marcus, how are we going to greet everybody online? I was mm. like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Doc. Let's figure it out. Um, I don't know. And, and to your point, love is honesty. You know, like, it's, I, I don't know. Like, you know, but we, let's figure this out together. Like, um, you know, I tell them all the time, I'm not, the only, the only thing I'm an expert on is me. Um, mm. And so, you know, we, we show up in love for them. And, and the one thing that we work with teachers on is, 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 and y'all said this powerfully earlier, love is accountability, right? To self and others. So, um, we even teach it through, we even teach love through behavioral correction. A lot of people want to go to like punishment. It's like, no, if you, if you have relationships, you can almost do anything. Um, you know, like, like our relationship thing, a lot of times is we, we have kids draw a mirror and ask affirming words around them. And when they lose sight of that, go look at your, go look at your mirror, right? Like, like, are you showing up as the best version of yourself right now? If the answer is no, let's talk about it. Mm. Right, like it does. It's not over the yelling. I don't ever raise my voice. Kids, kids know. Like I'm a whisper before I raise. And you're not gonna, you're not gonna raise my blood pressure, right? We're going, we're gonna go back to the best version of you and go from there. And, and that's where it starts. So, um, but to answer your question, I think it's gonna be some shift. We'll see. Um, but I think adults are having a different awakening, which is cool. Um, you do hourly sessions. <laughs> and how much do you charge? I'm about to hit you on the line because I was like, mm, I don't. And can we get a discount if we do like half and half? Yeah, because I so my because my persona, I've been I've been trying to learn how to ex like I'm just not as expressive and um sure like I can talk about love, but I find people they just hear my words, but they I'm not very like oh, like you know like real soft and like extra open and all those things. So I'd be like, I don't know how to. What am I not doing? So I might need to. I got your number now, so you can't avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't, I don't, but I think that's powerful that you said that, though. I don't think it's, and I, and I tell my staff this all the time, like, don't, like, don't show up like me, right? Like, like a lot of times, like, your, your love, I'm sure, is expressed in more, in maybe a different way or an intimate way. Like, I just had this conversation uh, this weekend. Um, I was watching a chef cook, and, you know, it was really quiet and really whatever, but I was like, that, that, that's, that's mm-hmm. it. In his he shows his love. Through the and it's, it's through his food, right? Like we have a lot of. There's one young man who we all would always do community circles. We call them um, healing circles um, with him, and, and he never spoke. He just naturally quiet, right? And I would always just whisper to him. I would say, the moment you do say something, I know it's gone. 
you know, I just know it's going to turn this circle up. Now, you know, part of it is just being firm and him to give him the courage to do so. But, man, when he finally did talk, I was like, well, God, no. Like, I was, you know, I was, I was betting in the city 50 bet. But it was how he showed up. Or where, where, where he did show up, though, he was the most loyal kid. Like, his brother was not that. His brother was the complete opposite, right? But, like, he took care of his brother in a very dirty way. He'd be the kid who would, we had a teacher who uh, had stage four cancer at the time. And he'd be the one who would, like, he would see him and be like, what are you doing? But he would go check on her or bring her a water. Like, his love just showed up in a different way. And I don't want him to be me, right? Like, this is, this is me. Um, and this is who I am, right? But, but like I said, to, you, to your point, I suck at quality time. So my friends, my friends will tell you, I don't answer the phone. Y'all end up I'm about to get down for being on the phone with y'all. Like, because I don't see it the same way. And so I've had to learn how to do that. You know, like how to spend time with my friends who really just want time. But I'd be like, all right, we've been together an hour. It's, it's good. Like, I enjoyed it. Golden Girls is about to be on, though. So, like, let's, you know, so yeah. Um, yeah. So no, you you do it. You're huge. Um, it's just finding the, the, the amped up level. Of that. I hear you, but also, and Carly's in like the space of like mindfulness and those types of things as well. But and for me, I feel like it was a much later thing to even hear about a lot of those things so I'm listening to you and I'm hearing things like healing circle and greeting everybody and I'm like Ooh, I don't know how I want to be in those spaces I'll be quiet um, so it's just like man how do you you know getting more comfortable with all of those things and um, it'd be interesting I don't know what you have that you could show or if there's anything you would share as far as like curriculum or exercises or things like that but I, I love those types of things and I also have a supplemental question for that um, that and 80% of kids' time is spent outside of the classroom. They really only spend 20% of time in a classroom, and probably on Zoom is even less, which is crazy. Um, so thinking about that, when you're looking at love and literacy and building this environment of trust and accountability and action, like how do you think about them outside of the school? Like it, how does your programming, I guess, are there like, I don't know, like things you give them or like the toolkit, like you mentioned a mural, that could be something they could probably, you know, have at home or something to reference. But how do you address the time when they're not with you? Because that very well might be one of the only to places me, they're getting love. Right. To me, that's the most important time. So so what we currently have, we, we currently have, you know, we call it fame with our acronym. So family, academics, motivation, and environment. So we say everybody can be famous. Cheesy play on words, but it works. Um, and so... Um, what we do is we, we, we mentor outside of that time, right? So we break up, we break up our student load and we just have real conversations, like, you know, clearly clear with the parents and all that stuff. But when COVID was not a thing, it's showing up to games and, you know, doing all the stuff that was cliche in that way. But we also always send them away with homework, the self work. So one of our first assignments that you always do with us, um, our first homework assignment is, is your name. So how did you, what does your name mean? Google it, ask Jesus. And then, you know, get a couple sources because it might mean a couple different things than that. And then sit down and have dinner with your parents or whomever's around that may know and ask why they named you that, right? And mm -hmm. so, like, we begin to have them do that self-work and then we talk about the power of name, right? Like, like name is, is nurture um, and nature, right? So, like, the, the nature of what you're called, if you think about it, your name is the thing you hear the most in your life. Well, even if you change it, over time, it's the thing that you hear. And so, like, so my is Marcus, right? So in, in in the Google English definition, it means warrior. Um, in African tradition, it means he who brings joy, right? And so is that, has that been nurtured in me by my family? Because that's their, that's their duty or my friends or whomever, right? So we have that conversation. But my parents named me after a running back 
and USC. So like mm-hmm. they weren't, it wasn't that deep. <laughs> right. Um, mm-hmm. So we have, though, we do that type of homework assignment. We give them uh, family assignments. Like, you know, like this, draw us a picture of, of who's most important to you in your family. It sounds cliche and it sounds cheesy, but you'll be surprised. And for us, now there's two sides to this. Kids won't listen to this, so I can give away the magic. There's two ways to this. So um, it's also just to have them create that. But then we on this side learn who's really important to them. Because mom and dad might be on the paper, but it might be Auntie Carly and Auntie Lexi. <laughs> right, right. Like, who did, who did you respond to? Right. And just on the who loves you, right? Like, we, we have a banquet every year, and we have one young man who, you know, was homeless, and, and we struggled. He's, he's this person who popped me a lot, actually, because I hate to admit it. I didn't want him in the program, so he didn't respond to me. So my ego got in the way. And lucky one of my staff members checked me and was like, he's exactly who we have to have. And while he was a challenge, right, we, we worked it out. He was a bigger kid. So on Mondays, um, he came from the shelter. He would come thinking he would come in the same clothes he had on Fridays. I just started giving him my clothes. The other staff members were taking to the gym shower. He was showering. He'd come back. He went on, like, all kind of acts. Act. Um, and so um, and his whole mood would change right and then we knew Monday morning would be rough we knew Friday afternoons would be rough because he didn't want to go home right so we get to our banquet but his kid he meant genius like could code like 13 years old could code was that was that kid Um, the banquet came we did everything we could to get his his people there for whatever reason they didn't want to show up right so he has a breakdown right before the banquet like we're scared like we got 200 community members there, everybody. But remember, we've been talking about self-love and, like, love for your brother, right? Like, and the, I'm about to tear up this telling it, but, like, the most beautiful thing was you had 25 young men get up and be like, man, it don't matter. Your family's here with you right now. Aww. Like, we love you. You know what I'm saying? So when he got up to get his thing, they all got up with him. And that's what it is. Like, and we, we did, they did that, not we. We cultivated the space. They did that in 20 days. Right, like we, our summer program was on the twenty day, and so it's like, and, and it also was this like beacon for him that people care about me no matter my circumstance. So, um, you know, it, it's it's doable and it's so dope, um, and, and he's doing cool now, right? Like, you know, we still check ice, you know, I still keep in contact with him because, like I said, he was my teaching point, um, and, and you know, and I'm I'm never ashamed to say that because I think it's adult. The first thing you got to own is our mistake, um, and so it, it, it's cool. But to answer your question, those are some of the homework things we get. We also uh, other things motivation. So what motivates you? We have conversations. They come back and say money. It's okay to be motivated by that. But let's talk about like internal locus of control. And then we talk about environment. And environment is just, uh, we call it three C's. So small community, like your, your, your school, big community, middle C, which is like your actual community. And then big C, what's your impact on the world? Like who are you going to show up in as the world? Um, I used to say as a kid, I want to change the world. And people would be like, stop saying that. You know, and I'd be like, and now I look back at him and I'd be like, ah, but I still believe that, right? Like, you know, hence why I say I'm the South End Batman. Like, I really do believe I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hero, no superpowers, but um, I aspire to that at least. So those are some of the things we give, and, it, and it's dope. It's so cool to see every kid show up differently. Yeah, I think that's great. I, I bet you have so many fulfilling stories just thinking back on all the students over the years and, and all kinds of different circumstances and places where you can see that, you've made a difference. I think that's so cool. I commend you for the difference you have made. And I want to ask you about um, this Academy for Creating Excellence Atlanta. It is it still opening this year? And, and I just would like to hear about it. Like what is special about this school? Where are you right now in, in prepping for an opening? 
Oh, COVID. Uh, so we actually, yeah. oh, COVID. Uh, so we actually, we're, we're going to open actually fall of 2022. Um, due to COVID, they installed all new openings for that time money. Um, but we all will be a uh, fifth through eighth grade, all African American male focused school. So any young man can come. Um, and then we'll really be focused on, um, we call it loveful and dignity pedagogy. So um, everything we're talking about now, loveful, which is mine, and then dignity pedagogy, which is a powerful sister, Dr. Monique Liston out of Milwaukee, um, who centers dignity for black men um, as a thing. So dignity pedagogy is just about seeing young black men and black people as humans first. Not as those things. Um, so we fifth through eighth grade, 100 students each. Uh, we'll be enrolling soon once we solidify this building. Um, but we'll mainly be focused on, we call it experiential learning. So we don't do grades. We call it mastery. Um, and when students will come in, you know, and, and, and have you at different competency levels, but actually experience the things they're doing. So based off our summer pilot program in Seattle, if we do a week of building rockets, we spend that Friday with Black Engineers at Blue Origin, which is Jeff Bezos's, uh, testing, building rockets with black engineers and launching their rockets there. Uh, we do a mock business contest. Um, this is all partnership with Seattle. We will bring the same thing here with Amazon, right? So again, learn how to build your own business, do a business plan. That Friday, we spend all day with the black, the black at Amazon um, network for a whole day for an Amazon. They pitch it for them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, we even, but it's not even just the big ones. It's barbershop, right? Like the, the, the um, beauty care industry, for black people we know is huge. The epicenter is here in Atlanta, right? So what will those things be? Culinary, writing, you name it. So exposing your men to those skills early um, and getting them externships. So I spent a lot of my time shaking hands and kissing babies to build those partnerships. Um, and it's beautiful to be able to do it in Atlanta because it's uh, called Wakanda. Mm-hmm. So you're able to do it with people that look like us. So, um, and we also, you know, we're still operating in Seattle. Um, you know, I have my answer to that as well, but my focus is, is here ish. So you mean to say that they'll actually get an education at the school that matters <laughs> in day-to-day life. That actually considers that. Wow, we're going to actually know. learn some life skills. What a thought. Because I didn't. <laughs> Same. I could tell you about that Pythagorean uh, you know, theory, I, though, but I don't use it. <laughs> you know, my, I, I still get some nice texts from helping the exchange of mine. So I was, I, I'll just say amen. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just, just, just understanding that... Um, what we've been doing hasn't been working for a lot of our kids, right? And so to your point, no knock on Pythagorean theorem, I guess, but like if you can learn how to walk out with some good skills, um, and we call it post-secondary success, like will you be able to leave high school actualized and ready to do whatever it is you want? College might not be for you right now. Like if I didn't have a scholarship, I probably should have waited to go to scholarship until I was like 20, 21. I wasted that first, not wasted, I gained life experience. But like grade-wise, <laughs> That that zero point seven in the first two years didn't do nobody good. I, I watched a lot of I watched a lot of Sports Center. I watched a lot of Golden Girls, uh, and I definitely got spent a lot of time in the cafeteria. Like, but you know, like outside of that, yeah, uh, I did go to convocation. We had to go to we had to go to Holy Chapel. But um, but beyond that, yeah. So like, yeah, what can we teach them? Or what can we give them? Specifically, again, young men um, developmentally, we develop about two and a half years behind y'all. Um, and most school as it's dictated today um, is is brain centered towards female learning because it's a lot of talking, it's a lot of it's a lot of um, communication, a lot of language, um, and and y'all just developmentally wired in general um, 
better for that learning. And like, you know, 81% of teachers are women, uh, 82% are white women. So you also have this cultural divide, right? So all that being said, we'll, we'll also be a safe space to um, hopefully build uh, the Black Male Educated Pipeline so we can have more um, black men who aren't just there because they're black men, mm-hmm. but are there to actually help move along. Because you, you just can't be any black man. I've lost a couple friends because I won't hire them, but it's like, <laughs> you ain't good for this, though. But you know, we can we, we can talk about some other stuff. So That's great. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm hyped. That sounds like the type of education that all these yeah, kids Yeah, I want to see more about the school, learn about it. I'm trying, I'm trying to fake be on the board, come up with some content. <laughs> For real, be on the board. I was about to say, I've already yeah. thought about three people to right. connect you with. I'm like, okay. Yeah, she's thinking she's in this space, so she ready, probably does. Ready. Um, One of them went no, to Spelman. <laughs> right, and I'm thinking about how you can broaden it. And y'all about to say, the cool thing is, like, I, I always say my last day or close to my last days will be when I find a strong, powerful sister who wants to do a sister school for young ladies. I just don't believe I can run it because I can't tell you how to be a black woman, right? Like, um, and then again, that's a lesson learned. We used to do a whole lesson on like, how do you treat a woman? And then we looked at each other one day and I was like, like we ain't a woman in here. We are here talking about <laughs> I was like, uh, fellas, my, my two co-founders uh, back home, Willie and CJ, I, I was like, uh, fellas, <laughs> we might need to rethink this, right? Like, like, and, and adding got women. That really you said that. <laughs> yeah, it, now, I won't lie to you, like, there's a couple people who got about eight weeks of, like, all male, woman uh, lessons, but we figured it out after a while. So, <laughs> talk to the head, not the heart. Oh, man. Absolutely. Uh, Marcus, we want to take a minute to shout you out. We appreciate you for being on the podcast and uh, want to give you an opportunity to... Uh, tell the listeners like where they can find you. If you, there's a website, they yeah. can go to your social media, email, whatever you want to to give to folks. And um, let us know if there's anything that you need or that you want to kind of shout out. Dope, dope. Uh, I'll do the quick, I'll do the uh, the, the pub of, of the organization. So we are Ace Academy. So you can find us online at www.aceacademywa.org. That's Seattle if you want to support and then www.aceacademyatl.org um, if you want to support Atlanta. And then all my socials, um, I'm on IG. Uh, is the I am the people's ninja. I know just there's <laughs> another podcast. Um, but, yeah, that's me. And, and honestly, just, yeah, check us out. Support both. We are um, a 501c nonprofit in both spaces doing great work. Um, and if, you, if y'all know folks in Atlanta that are down to just transform education, um, I, I didn't get the whole vision, but part of the vision as well is to connect um, uh, supportive businesses to the school. The funnel is an economic development place, so a, a salon, a, a, a gym, um, a culinary space, a design thinking space. It all feed in that are also economic development for our students to learn life skills early, and our parents and community have support. So um, anything folks want to do, and um, I'm a learner as well, so I just want to continue to learn and and spread the message of love. Like I said, I'm 6'6 six, six in the mystery way, but I'm unafraid um, to say the word love and, and just have conversations with folks about that. So, cool. Well, we appreciate you being here. I learned a lot. I'm glad um, that we got you on here because you make me uh, want to look up some things to use for myself, like I said. <laughs> look, I'm not a parent. Yet. I don't, I, I, sometimes I do stuff with youth, but... I feel like sometimes it's harder to love like my fellow adults <laughs> than it is the kids. So one hundred percent, one hundred percent. So that's where I need it's some a, tips. It's, it's been acquired. It took a while, but I, but I'm there. And, and you know, as cliche as it is, like we are just big versions of the kids we were mm-hmm. 
trying to be, right? Like, I, um, I had to grow up fast. You know, I've been working since I was 12. So, um, like, my friends tease me because there's a lot of stuff I missed out on, like, or just did, like, I didn't watch a lot of movies. And, but it's like, now I'm trying to make it up for it. Like, not a Peter Pan syndrome anyway, but, like, um, I literally try to wake up and have a joy for life. And, and if it's my last day tomorrow, like, all my people know I love mm-hmm. Like, there ain't no doubt. So, you know, we go from there. I love that. This was very inspirational as things like seeing these things in action that give me hope. So shout out to you and, you know, your joy and zest for life like that. So the things you do for yourself and all the things you do for the kids and the teachers and their parents. And we win. We win. We end every episode. I can't talk today. y'all. We end every episode asking a question of the week. And so it's post Valentine's Day. This is Mr. Love here on the podcast. And so, of course, we're going to ask about love. So, Marcus, we're going to start with you. What is one thing that we can do to love better? Like, if you were giving advice, answering that question, what's one thing that we can do to love better? Mm, You're going to say the best question for last, huh? Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, it's not an original thought, but, but tap into the things about yourself. Love yourself first, right? Mm-hmm. Have a... Have a have a pure love for you. Um, John Legend said his best, right? All your perfect imperfections. Um, and then a love for God or the universe, whatever you call God. Um, and then try to be a mirror for that. Like everything y'all just said, like um, I always quote one of my mentors, like I am but a shallow reflection of all the love that's been thrown into me. Um, so like I'm, I'm honored to be with y'all. I'm always honored to be with the most important thing in a, in a parent's life. They hand, they hand me their kids. So that love, man, that's, that's, that's it for me. So love himself, I would say first, and then and then kind of go into that order. I like that. Lexi? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? I, so one thing I would think about that, if to answer that, I would say one way to love better would be to be and show genuine interest in, let's say, the person in front of you. Like, to, to end the moment, really care about what they're saying, listen to what they're saying. Um, and if you come at it from more of that angle when you're with people to, to genuinely be interested in what they have to say and what they're doing, um, that that's kind of a, a act of love or kind of being open to hearing and listening um, as a way to love better. I like that. Good curiosity. Yeah. Um, mine, I would say, is to remember that we are all multifaceted people. And to give people grace, including ourselves. Um, Because you never know people's stories, where they come from, Mm -hmm. what they went through, who hit their car on the way here, and why they have attitude. Not to say you should let people run you over. Any of those things, I think you should very much enforce your boundaries and also have grace for people because you have no idea what's going on. Mm -hmm. And just because they're people. Yeah, that's good, too. That's a good little trifecta. Hey. (laughs) Um, To to our listeners. Um, you think about that yeah. too. Like one thing you can do to love better. I, I know when I re-listen to this, I'll probably, there's a couple places I want to take a couple notes or look up some things. Um, so even listening to this episode, if there's anything that you gain from it about love or loving better or in a more full way, we'd love for you to, uh, share that, put up some stories this week so Marcus can see the love. And so we can tag mm-hmm. him and the Academy and everything on that as well. Um, yeah. And just feel free to leave us comments on the post on the site, on the YouTube, on what else do we have? 
On, um, you can leave us um, voicemails. Yep, on the actual, oh, on IG when we post up from it and everything. So we'd love to hear from you. Um, and we know you're going to be as inspired by Marcus as we were. So again, thank you for being on this episode. You're the first guest. Isn't he the first guest 20, of 2000? 2020 years is. 2528, <laughs> whatever. 2021. Uh, first guest. So we appreciate that very much. Starting with love. Thank you, Marcus. No, thank you.